This is the Coys R Us podcast. You are now listening to episode 15. My name is Joel. I've got Ben with me. Unfortunately, we're missing a couple of folks this week, but we we move on, we persevere, and we 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 try to get a result the same way that we saw Spurs to uh, this this past weekend with a 2-1 home win against Fulham. The last time we spoke on the pod was after the win over Wolves. Uh, since then, we drew we drew against West Ham on the road, one um, one, and then we scored two goals to beat Fulham at home. Um, so, a few matches for us to go over today, Ben. Um, how are you feeling about Spurs after the last two matches? Is has anything changed since the last time we spoke? Well, I, I guess I'm I'm glad we're uh, having this discussion. <clears throat> Not directly after West Ham when we had we had yeah, in, in there. <laughs> Makes it a little bit little bit more enjoyable to go through this. Um I you know we'll, we'll get over we'll get into the specifics of the both matches, but um at, initially West Ham, I was a little bit, you know, pleasantly surprised because we were controlling the ball a little bit, but you could tell that they obviously changed tactics, just denied us any kind of uh playing out of the back, basically. I mean, it's almost criminal to have Emerson and Sanchez on the same side of the field Man. and it's where yeah, it's we where just, the ball goes to die. Yeah. And yeah, you could just, you could see that they obviously made some changes and made it very, very hard for us to progress the ball. Um, it just seemed like we, we came out very flat in the second half. And I think that was mostly tactics from West Ham that, that did made that happen. Um, so I would say, again then when when you have the full match come up and it was similar except for we looked much sharper just quicker for one thing uh part of that i think the biggest piece of that is just having romero back uh having longley in there all of a sudden there was a lot more progression yeah i thought i thought longley looked good yeah it it looked very good uh at least on in, in possession right we didn't really get to see him uh do too much from defense which I think it's kind of what you hear the ding about him is that he is prone to, to like, you know, individual errors. We didn't see that at least. So that's good, but there probably weren't a lot of opportunities for that to happen because until the very end, we looked very comfortable. Um, So overall, I would say that it was good to see us dominate the ball a little bit more. Obviously we didn't really do very much with that against West Ham. Could have been definitely could have been a few goals against Fulham, and uh, really the the one goal they had was a combination of a very nice shot and uh, looked like Romero was just out of gas at that point and just made kind of a half-ass uh, tackle there and didn't 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 uh, come through with it. But yeah, that was really overall, disappointing. Yeah, but overall, I, I guess I would say I don't know. It's it's not discouraging, but it's not exactly encouraging yet either. I guess it's good to see a little bit of change in the way we're playing. Um, I would really like to see Conte use subs a little bit more. <laughs> I don't understand why he he seems to only use subs to shore out a game rather than to change a game. I, yeah. I haven't seen him use, yeah, a lot of uh, – other than against – was that Chelsea when he just threw out Charleston and just we had like a front four or five at that point? Well, other that's than also that, when we were chasing the game. Right. And I, I mean, he's not you know. making a lot of subs when we're up a goal. Um, he's, he's that. And I think honestly, if I think about the first six games, 
that's probably the only situation we've been in where we've been behind. Um, all of the other games we've either won or draw, won or drew. Um, we scored first in all of them. Well, no, uh, I think Southampton scored first in the opener. Southampton did score first, and yeah. then we scored four. Um, but yeah, I mean that was obviously a, 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 a Reese James goal. I think with seventy some odds, some minutes. Um, so you know, at that point, you got to score, and you've only got about fifteen minutes to do it. So. A little bit of a different situation. It is mm-hmm. interesting to me seeing uh, Romero come back in the lineup. <laughs> and it's, really it's funny because things. it's funny because he's obviously our best defender, but it seems like we're keeping all of our clean sheets when he's not there. <laughs> well, he's, he's our best. He's our best offensive player from the back. If that makes sense. I feel like obviously he's a good defender, but what really he does is, is make, I think he's take- our best defender too. I think I mean maybe Dyer might. It's hard to it's hard to to uh, their 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 positions are so different. Uh, yeah. Dyer's is much more sitting back and just kind of he's almost playing zonal. Whereas um, uh, you see Romero stepping out a lot more, getting a lot more aggressive, and obviously a lot of that is just their their positional tactics there. But to be honest, the thing that I noticed the most because Sanchez is pretty sure on the defensive side for the most part, unless he yeah. gets caught sitting on the ball for too long. As long as but, he doesn't have to dribble. Or pass. I think it's uh, the defend great. instead of playing. Yeah, it's, it's it's the playing it out from the back. That's where I really think you see Romero's impact, especially uh, in, in comparison to Sanchez. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, it it just seemed very – it almost like his, his, uh, his avatar glitched in the middle of FIFA <laughs> the way we gave up that goal to Mitrovic, uh, which if you give him an opportunity, he is going to slot one in. Um the West Ham game was very frustrating to watch. I think one of the it was, biggest yeah. pieces about that game that kind of threw me off was that stoppage that we had where there was a knee-to-knee that Hoybier was involved in. It seemed to me, and all the people that I was watching it with um, at the Irish Channel, shout out to DC Spurs, um, it seemed to us that he was very clearly injured and we kept waiting for Conte to sub him out. And all he did and was... It was a- Change his problem. Boots. Uh, yeah, it was very strange. That whole that whole uh, section of the game was was pretty odd. Yeah, because the the collision happened before halftime. Uh, he seemed to be off, honestly, for the rest of the match, and it was apparent to us that he must have been injured, and we were expecting him to come off at the half. At first, we were waiting for him to get subbed off immediately. That didn't happen. We figured, all right, maybe he's just waiting to halftime. But then he ended up playing the full 90 and to me was not fully there. I mean, he seemed to make up for it a bit against Fulham where he he seemed to be back to his normal and he actually bagged the goal as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think that draw is a game that it's, it's weird because on one hand, you could say, you know, we gave up a bad goal. Hoybier gets caught in the middle of a throw in arguing with the ref instead of tracking his man which gives Thomas Suchek a uh, direct line drive to the goal un- unabated. And that's how they score. Um, so on the one hand, you could say, yeah, we probably deserve to win that game because that goal should have never happened. Um, on the other hand, though, like looking at the way the game played out, we probably deserve to lose. And by all accounts, I feel like that's a game where we actually stole a point. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think we would count ourselves lucky to get a point <clears throat> and, and, you know, a point away at West Ham is not entirely terrible either. No, it's not but, a bad result. It's it was just a poor performance. 
Right. No, absolutely. And in addition, like we already talked about having Emerson and Sanchez out there on the same side, trying to build up from the back. That was terrible. And then Basuma didn't look very good. He just didn't. He, 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 I think he had, I don't know how many turnovers, but it seemed like he had half of our team's turnovers were Basuma just heavy touches. He obviously had kind of a petulant yellow card early on that made him toe the line the whole game. Yeah. So it just seemed like a perfect storm of this is how you can have Spurs not look very good. It's just no progression from the wings or from the center backs or really from midfield. Hoiberg is the only one at that point trying to progress, and that's not really his game. Uh, and, so it, and Bentenker wasn't there, and I think he yeah, Bentenker, a lot to, exactly. our, to our midfield. I mean, it's funny because I feel like we talked on a previous episode about um, the whole Jose Ball thing and how he, you know, talks about um, having the ball is bad and, 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 you know, whoever has the ball is more prone to make the mistake, and then you can take advantage of it. Um, and it, it obviously – we're not playing quite Jose ball, but you are seeing some hints of that philosophy in the way that Conte sets up. I mean, it seems like whenever we dominate possession, like we did against West Ham, 62%, we played worse. Um, we had three shots on target compared to the Fulham match where we had 52% possession and 10 shots on target. So, and the offense looked to be clicking a lot more. So it, it is one of those things where it feels like when we have possession of the ball and the ball's at our feet, we don't really know what to do with it. Uh, but when we're set up in a way where we can turn guys over um, and then kind of turn the ball around and, and, and do the counter thing and, and play through the wings, um, we're a lot more successful. And, and I don't know exactly what to make of that. It also makes me a little nervous that um, – what, what does that look like for the next seven, eight months, right? Like, yeah. is that a I, formula that is... It's not what, sustainable. What, what stops, no. <laughs> yeah, what stops teams from just giving us the ball and saying, figure it out because you guys can't manage the ball, right? You're not, well, the, the hope, you're not Liverpool. Yeah, the hope is that we get more from our wingbacks, more progression. The hope is that Romero is there. And so we don't have just this cul-de-sac in Sanchez and, and Emerson. Uh, the hope is that we have... I don't know if if Doc comes back at right back or if uh, uh, Spence comes in and and makes some noise there. That would be great. Uh, the hope is that again, it's a small sample size, so I just feel like that was one of those almost like the worst projected lineup you could come up with as far as progressing the ball. And so that if they if you have a smart counterattacking team on the other side they can almost force us into trying to hold onto the ball and where all of our possession is in our own, you know, defensive third. It's not very valuable there, especially with just Sanchez passing back and forth to Dyer and Lloris. Um, well, what, so what do you think the, is different, right? Like if, if you think about this very um, pack, pack the defense, play the counter, um, this is something that we were talking about two years ago. So like, how is this different than Jose ball? Obviously we're playing three well, in the back. So that's one difference. There was a tweet that somebody had uh, over the weekend that I thought was it made sense in terms of, I guess it kind of put some words to what I was seeing with my eyes to what you're talking about is how is this different than Jose Paul is that it seems like it's a little bit more. Mm, it's multidimensional. If that makes sense. It's a little bit more tactically astute in terms of Jose was just, let's see if we get an early goal, park the bus. And that was it. It, it was just shored up at that point. Whereas Conte, when he's playing on the counter, it seems really intent on drawing the other team into a 
place of weakness. But then the point of the, the tweet that they were talking about is that when we get a goal, we actually press to try to disrupt the other side's attack a little bit more rather than inviting that pressure. When we're inviting that pressure, it's a little bit earlier on in the games. And that's actually just to try to create space for us rather than necessarily to bunker down. And so when yeah. we're protecting a one or two goal lead, rather than bringing that pressure with a, you know, a really deep line, it's we, we, that's when we actually press a little bit more. And it, rather than trying to gain an offensive, uh, um, you know, uh, advantage, which we do with that as well, but it's more about disrupting their play and not letting them get into an, um, into rhythm basically, and, and just start passing around, which is what we saw a lot in Joe's era was they were obviously going to break us down sometime in the 70th or 80th minute because they just had the ball for so much. Something's going to fall at some point, a deflection or, you know, a set piece or whatever else. So I, I think that that's a big part of it. Is it just seems a little bit more tactically, uh, astute, I suppose. Where there's yeah, I think another more, yeah. big difference that I'm noticing. And one of the things that frustrated me the most under Jose was it felt like we were playing not only without the ball, but majority of the game was also in our third, right? So then you're playing a game right. where you have nine men in the box <laughs> for the last 25 minutes of the game. Which is just and, the most ulcer inducing thing to watch as well, right? It's just not, no, not it's, any it's, fun. It's awful to watch, but it's also, it's awful to watch not only because it isn't entertaining, but also because you, you, you know, in the back of your mind, like eventually we're going to leak it's one. coming. Like if you if you let someone keep knocking on the door over and over and over, eventually the door is going to open. And I feel like that was kind of what we're seeing now. I feel a lot more stable in our defense, because even when we don't maintain possession for long bouts of the game, at least we are collecting it and recycling it and maintaining it for some portions of it. Um, even thinking about when the, they're getting very few chances, I guess like I didn't. Yeah, right. It's a lot of blocks. It's we, a lot of turnovers. This it's not just Jesse, them sure pelting he, the ball at the at the goal. I'm sure Jesse would come with some kind of stat of expected goals because I know um, there were some some stats also on Twitter about expected goals under you know Pochettino and then Jose and and now and you can see that the expected goals you know the variance there is much better now than it was. There's a, a huge turnaround at that point. So you can just see that the possession that maybe we are, uh, we're giving the other team, it's not as dangerous. That's the main thing. So it just, it's not just that it doesn't feel as dangerous because it, some of it may be game situation too, but it's, it literally is not as dangerous as far as, you know, what expected goals tell us is that we're, we're not giving teams good chances from the possession they're getting. Yeah. Well, right now, according to uh, footy stats, it seems that we are seventh in the league in expected goals at 1.71. Um, and we're 12th in the league at uh, expected goals against at 1.52. So uh, I thought we'd be higher than that. <laughs> I'm a little, yeah. little disappointed in that. Not that it matters in the end, because we, we've all been a little disappointed in the in the overall showing. But I thought our defenses looked pretty good. So I'm kind of surprised. It also looks like this is, uh, this is backwards, too. So that... 12th is actually eight. Uh, this is a little confusing because they have the numbers in definitely like some grade A order. podcasting, though. Either way, it's nice yeah, work of out course. of us. Oh, no, no, we are eighth. We are eighth. We are eighth. Sorry, sorry, okay. sorry. That's um, better, so- but still fairly mid table. I figured we'd be top five or something in that stat. Just it seems like our defense has been pretty good. I, I'm trying to think if there was one game that maybe would have 
uh, I guess the Chelsea game. I don't remember how many. Expected yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I was a little surprised by that as well, but uh, you also think about even the Nottingham forest match, which I think was the actual last one that right. we podcasted. It wasn't wolves. Um, but even the Nottingham forest match, it did feel like they had a lot of opportunities that they just squandered. Um, it wasn't a situation where I felt like we were doing a great job of keeping them at bay. Well, the they played kind of like I, wolves, right? Where they played with an man in midfield and then nobody up top essentially so they could they could move the ball on us even in our in our defensive third but there was just no there was nobody there to finish it off i mean yeah i mean the other thing is like from an entertainment standpoint right uh we talked about the west ham game not being particularly fun to watch is this just kind of the new normal like should we expect the games to be a little stodgy and and not as entertaining. I do feel like the Fulham game was a little bit more fun to watch. Um, I'm hoping you're going to see basically the pattern start to sink in, especially with Basuma. Maybe when when we see uh, Skip get back into play. Uh, obviously, we saw it looked really. I, we talked, like I said already, about Emerson and and um, Sanchez, but I really do think Basuma for uh, Bentoncourt was probably a pretty big problem there about about again not being able to to shuttle the ball around because he, he didn't understand maybe the patterns well enough to give openings to, to Davies or to uh, Sanchez or Emerson to just to get that ball moving forward or out wide as quickly as possible. Um, yeah. Um, you did, again, it did ben, feel ben like Cor- there was a difference yeah. when Benton core was back on the, on the pitch against Fulham. Like there was a little bit more flow to the offense. So yeah, my hope is that between the wingbacks and the, the midfield, we just get more comfortable on everything. Um, and we will see a, a, a lot more, well, uh, possession for one, but then just moving the ball quickly without it necessarily having to be purely on the counter, if that makes sense. <laughs> like both possess the ball, but also just tick it around quickly, just not this labored possession that you saw against West Ham, whereas in Fulham, against Fulham, uh, it looked a lot more precise and efficient and just quicker. I, I, I really think that, the, again, the midfield and and the uh, that all all those pairings, all those passing triangles from the back to the midfield to the wing backs, I think just looked a lot sharper. And I think that the personnel is a big part of that. Hopefully, we'll see the other some of the personnel that was not looking as sharp in West Ham look better. And also maybe just to not have combinations where you have that many of your weaker players in that those positions at the same time. Yeah, I want to also talk a little bit about the goal that was disallowed because it looked like we were going to be up three goals to one after a nice combination play in midfield led to a cross in from Sessegnon to Richarlison he pounces it in he rips his shirt off the crowd goes wild and then VAR steps in as VAR is known to do and calls the goal back what did you see on that play because I'm not really sure exactly what the play meant. I mean, it looks like when you look at the replay, uh, or at least what they showed on the American feed, it did look like they were drawing the lines against Richarlison, but the original pass from midfield goes to Sessegnon. So I don't really understand how he could be offside if the, if the ball wasn't played to him. By the time Sessegnon takes it into the box and crosses it over, Richarlison is level with the ball, so he shouldn't be offside there. Um, am I missing something? What did you see on that play? Why is Why was that not a goal? Yeah, so my first question there would be, uh, does Richarlison's yellow still stand or does that get taken back because of the goal getting taken back? 
I don't know what the rule on that is. I guess I, could look, at I could look and see if they uh, <laughs> if they kept that if they kept that uh, yellow but as, card. As far as the goal, you and I were discussing this a little bit earlier, but um, it's oh, the hard. yellow card. The yellow card stayed. It looks like. How can it stand? I, I feel like I, I thought that means the whole play didn't happen. Anyway, um, yeah, I. I'm not 100% sure. There was no good explanation of if they were calling that on Sess because Sess did look to be onside. It was really tough to tell, though, if they had – it's too bad they didn't break it down, like showing a, a second line with Sess and one with, with um, Richarlison. And then the other question is, did Richarlison touch the ball as it kind of went underneath him? Because it the, the, the pass went almost underneath his legs. I don't think it did, but again, I didn't see a breakdown of this anywhere. They just kind of said it's been overturned and that's the way it is. And nobody ever discussed it to actually to uh, go into the details. I was a little bummed actually uh, just before the Mitrovic goal, the the play between, I think it was Sonny, right? And, and Richarlison, that would have been just a fantastic first goal that that volley that went off onto the post that. Yeah, that one was, man, there were a couple there and the sunny goal that hit the crossbar. Those would have been a couple really nice goals and would have made the, the match feel even more like, you know, things are coming together. So I don't know. Well, yeah, let's, that- let's actually talk about Sonny for a second, because it feels like he's got some real bad juju on him right now. Um, first, came better. Ball, I think and- he looked quite a bit better in this game, though. Yeah, fair enough. Um and- He was unlucky not to finish anything, but he, he, he seemed like the ball wasn't bouncing as far off of him. Um, He had, I don't, I don't know how many, she had at least three or four shots. He was getting into dangerous areas and he looked like he was picking the right passes and, and taking shots uh, that were, you know, decent uh, chances and it just didn't come off for him. But I feel like the first few games, he wasn't helping himself. This one's even more of an unlucky game to not get on the score sheet to me. I mean, that's and that's the thing, right? Like, you don't want one of your best offensive players to just be struggling through some bad luck. Obviously, it's still very early in the season. Six games down, 32 left to play. Um, and you got to think he's going to come good sooner or later. But right now, the ball just isn't bouncing his way. Like you said, um, Kane plays the ball in. It looks like that's going to be a clear tap in for Sonny's first goal. And it's an own goal instead. <laughs> I know. Um, he's right there, but he still he still doesn't get the toe on the ball. Then you had that play uh, that you just mentioned where he 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 lobs it in right where he needs to. I mean, he couldn't have played it really any better than that, considering the angle of the shot. Um, but it just doesn't drop in. It hits the crossbar. It's um, a tough shot. He had I that mean, shot in an, in an earlier match where it looked like he was going to curl it into the corner and it sailed just over the crossbar. Um, so there have been opportunities. He's getting himself in good positions, but you know, uh, one of one of my friends, Tony, who I who I watched games with at at, at DC Spurs, he was kind of saying that like it's the it's the just that half second that seems off, and that's really the difference, right? Like when he's playing a man one on one, and he takes that one dribble to his outside before he takes the shot, um, or when he's you know on a break and he takes that one extra first step that that gives him that extra burst of speed like that that one little half second of his first step or his first move doesn't seem to be as lethal and as on point as it typically is and that is making a huge difference when you're playing the best league in the world um so yeah i don't i don't know 
maybe it's a little bit of him being off. Maybe it's a little bit of bad luck. But I, I guess the question is like, at what point do you change the lineup? Do you just let him keep playing until he plays through it? Um, he's obviously one of our best offensive players, but right now he just isn't. And like, it, it was a little interesting to see Richarlison come into the starting lineup and Kulisevsky gets benched when it seems like Kulisevsky to this point in the season is actually playing better than Sun. So I don't know. I, it, I think it's a little bit of an interesting choice. I understand why Conte is putting faith in his star, someone who won the golden boot last year. Like I get that, but I just wonder like at what point do you make a change or like, or do you just not? Well, I think that at least we have the luxury to just rotate. And and that's not to say Richarlison now replaces Sung and he is now the starting, you know, left winger or, you know, uh, it's no, more. Yeah, I, of course. I, I But I also think that you can let Sun play in to form a little bit. Um, it's still, again, it's early. It's a small sample size. He looked a lot better this game. Uh, this is one of those things that's weird in sports, right, where he – there is, uh, I'm sure, some kind of mental aspect. He's feeling the pressure, and that makes him, uh, you know, potentially take some kind of heavy first touches or snapshots or just it, he might be a little bit in his own head. And this is a cliche, but it's one of those ones where he just needs one to go in, and then hopefully it'll, it'll start scoring in droves. We've seen this with Son and pretty much every goal scorer ever, especially one that's coming off the wing they're patchy players. Like it's just, it's, it's kind of built into the system there. It's very rare to see a winger that just consistently scores like what one goal, every two games, like a robot, like that just doesn't happen. I mean, we saw son, he scored what a third or a quarter of his goals in the last handful of games last year. Um, Like I said, I think it was encouraging to see him look that much better than he has at least. And I think the goals will come. And I think that we have the luxury though, to uh, sit son down and, and have, Richarlison coming for a game here and there. I agree. I think that it probably should have been Son on the bench this last game or Charleston on the left with uh Kulu on the on the right. Cause I also I think if anything, Kulusevsky, I mean Kane's gotten more goals, obviously, but I think Kulusevsky in some ways has looked the best out of the front three consistently in the games. He had the one really rough game against, I guess, well, he had a rough game against Chelsea. And then West Ham, that whole right side looked pretty bad. So hard to blame him for that one too. But when our forwards are getting the ball, Kulisewski seems like he has maybe the most to do with it in terms of what he can, his, his end product can be when he's given the ball in a good situation. So yeah, I was he a little bummed to see Or that. he can create for others. He can create. I yeah. Mean, and son's a little bit more of just scoring. Like not that he can't yeah. create at all, but yeah. I mean, so, I, I still feel like, yes, I still think that Sonny should have been benched. Um, against Fulham, and I think that was the game to do it, right? Like you, you have and not even benched, right? Just just rotated, just rotated. Like we can go with that. I mean, because everybody should, our team should be rotated more fully. So, and I'm not saying like he's out of the starting lineup moving forward permanently, but I think if you were gonna not start him in a game, like I would do it against Fulham instead of Marseille or or Manchester. My guess though, and I don't. I don't know this, obviously. I don't I don't talk to Antonio Conte personally, but my guess is that he intentionally kept Sun on to try to play him in a form, even though he probably thinks that Kulisevsky's played better so far. It'd be hard to argue that. Yeah, but that he's, he's not, trying oh, to. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows? I It's hard to tell what players. Like, like do you think at this point, 
players would feel more slighted if they got benched, uh, you know, in the Premier League against Fulham or got benched in the in the Champions League against Marseille? Like, which one feels like more of a slight? Which one's the better game? Because it's not like this is Real Madrid versus, like, you know, playing like Norwich. Not that Fulham is that much better off there. I'm just saying, like, do you think Sonny's going to feel more slighted than if he gets benched for the Champions League game? Like, is there any... I mean, I, I don't know what Sonny is personally going to feel, but for me... Um, Marseille is a way bigger game. <laughs> and not only is it a Champions League match, um, it's also the first home game on a Wednesday night. I would agree. Champions yeah. League in three years. I mean, so who do you think the front three would be this? This the, was it Wednesday or Tuesday, rather? Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? It's Wednesday. Um, I, I think it's I think it's definitely going to be Kane, Son and Kulu. Yeah, I think so. And what I do mean, you think those are guys. Come in for- and I also think about um, not to cut you off. But I also think about the other changes that he made, and I think he, those are changes that you can afford to make because you have a Champions League match coming up, right? Mm-hmm. Like Longley coming in, um, who was the other one with Sessing Young coming in. I think, to me, that's – I'm saving Davis and Parisage for Wednesday, and, like, I don't need them playing 90 minutes today. Um, I think also – Kulisevsky rotating is also indication for me that he's also probably going to start on Wednesday. I could be wrong. Um, who though? That's I, what I was asking. So is he going to start for Son on on Wednesday, or is he going to start, gonna start for, for Richarlison? Oh, sorry, Kulu is going to start for Richard. So Richarlison will go back to the bench. So it'll be the, the regular starting three. Yeah, that's that would probably. be my assumption. And either I also, that or Richarlison. I also Son, cannot see two. him not starting Paris. It's it's like it's like a game. Every eight, three eight games in 21 days or something like that. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. The fact that Kane was rested, which is I love first, Kane coming off the time on the clock. Yeah. Like, that was amazing. Absolutely. It, it felt so good to see him not have to play 90 minutes every single game. And I think that um, that might also make Sun feel better, though, too, which is, again, why I say Conte might have – he might have been playing some uh, psychology with that, where he's letting Kulu be the one to come off uh, to sit on the bench first of those three because maybe he's the youngest. He knows that that son needs the boost. I mean, I'm playing arm, armchair psychologist here, but I just no, I can I see it, that yeah. that making son feel better to see Kane also get subbed. Then he doesn't feel like it's, it's as big of a deal. Like you're not personally being called out. This is to rest your legs. This is potentially to change tactics, formation. But a lot of it is just we want to make sure that we have you guys for as many games as possible. So let's not run Son or Kane or anybody into the ground, but especially not our two either 30 or close to 30-year-old star forwards, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see who he trots out there, but I think it's the first Champions League match, like I said, that Spurs have have had in about two seasons. Um, What exactly happened? I remember last year we were in Europa Conference League. The year before before that. that, Europa, right? Were we in the Europa League? I don't even really remember. So. Um, anyway, it was a Champions League. <laughs> uh, the last time we were in Champions League was in that 1920 season where we got battered by Bayern, and then we also lost to, I think it was RB Leipzig. Uh, and then yeah, we just that was kind not of, a good one. Yeah, it, we kind of just flopped out of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we have good chances, but – Conte is going to play his best 11 on Wednesday. And so I think for me, Kulisevsky is part of that 11. And so is Perisic. The only part yeah, I'm unsure about is whether he's going to keep Longley in or whether he's going to play Davis. So we'll, well see. How about about that. Uh, I haven't actually looked and I probably should. This is where you don't ask a question unless you know the answer, but 
Has Emerson been subbed at all? Does he have all minutes for us all season? Is, is that guy going to get a rest and will we see Doc or? Oh, no, no. Spence, no, Spence came in, but he came in on the, on the wing, right? Um, Emerson has definitely started all six games this season. Definitely started. I don't think he's been subbed yet either. Emerson's <laughs> not been terrible either. He just he's not what we want him to be, which is unfair to him and I guess probably to us, too. But, um, yeah, it's it's too bad that. I get. It. I feel like in our setup, he probably makes more sense as a, a right center back. But like maybe he would be a good backup rather than Sanchez. I would maybe see him come in as right center back if Romero does get injured again. Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely a right back, right? Like, like that's definitely his role. Um, can he play in the back three? I think is the only question about whether or not we want him. He's not too dissimilar to what Davies was, though, right? Like a left back that's not doesn't really get forward. So and yeah, but Davis, I, but Davis plays his in the best back three football in, in a three. Yeah, yeah. like that's. But that we haven't seen Emerson in a thrives. three. We haven't it's seen true. Emerson in a three, and and like when Pochettino, when we were playing a three, uh, Davies didn't play in that back three. He was playing as a wing back then too. I mean, obviously they have different. Um, different things they're looking at between Conte and, and Pochettino of what makes a good wing back and what makes a good uh center back but i'm kind of curious why we wouldn't see emerson as a potential more natural right center back than so i just looked up emerson royale's numbers so far this year um he played 87 of 90 minutes against southampton so he was subbed off for three minutes and against chelsea he played 82 minutes so he was subbed off with about eight minutes left um, those were the first two matches of the season, and then he played the full 90 for the following four. So, by all accounts, Who, he is going to be starting on Wednesday. Who subbed in for him on those two? So, in the Chelsea match, he was subbed out at the 82nd minute for Lucas Mora. And oh, yeah, in yeah. the Southampton match, he came off He came off with uh, three minutes left. It's a midfield or something. Yeah. Oh, Doherty did play. I don't remember yeah, him so even coming. That in. was his Weird. only appearance so far this season. He's only played three minutes at the end of a four-one game. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah, very strange. I don't know what's going on with Matt. Um, I'm assuming he's injured, but he did play those three minutes. So I don't know. I don't think he was even um, on the bench against Fulham, was he? He was on the bench. So I don't know. I mean, we don't know how serious his injury was at the end. That was pretty close to the end of last year. Maybe he's still recovering. I mean, that almost looked like a, you know, some kind of ACL. I don't know if it was a sprain or a tear. It doesn't, they made it sound like it was not that serious, but. I mean, we have to keep reminding ourselves that it's early in the season. Um, But I do, I would say I'm a little surprised that Emerson has been played so much, so many of the minutes at right wing back. And we have not seen already at least start one game which makes you think that he must be hurt because what the hell is going on (laughs) um this is the quasar us podcast if this is your first time listening to us welcome if it's not your first time welcome back uh we can be found on twitter at quasar us podcast is exactly what it sounds like follow us like our podcast on all of the various streaming networks uh drop a comment if if you're uh, so compelled and, and and let us know that you've been listening and, and we'll definitely try to give a shout out um, on our next episode. As we look forward to the upcoming schedule for Tottenham Hotspur, we have a Wednesday night match in the Champions League. We're back, baby. It's back. Against Marseille. 
followed by a big game on the road against Manchester City, a team that we've actually had pretty good um, results against over the the past few years. Uh, So let's start with Marseille. How much do you know about this team? Because I know very little. I know very little. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know they're in the French League, which is probably the worst of the big European league. Don't they have just like a ton of former Premier League players? They're like a who's who of this guy played in the Premier League a while ago. Well, right now that looks like it's uh, Besiktas because I saw yeah, the lineup for that for that game that Delhi played in, and they had uh, like at least five or six guys that I remember from the Premier League. But I do know that looking at uh, Marseille's roster, they do have a couple of former Arsenal players, uh, which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, they've got Alexis I Sanchez. Saw- they have uh, Dimitri Payet. They have uh, Guendouzi, too, former another former Arsenal player. Oh, wow. Uh, I knew they had Kolasinic. Um, they also they had Eric Bailly, too. I, Eric Bailly is there. Uh, Nuno Tavares is also an <laughs> Arsenal player. Uh, Kolasinic used to play for Arsenal as well. Um, and Alexi Sanchez is there. Yeah, you're right. And Dimitri Payet. So, yeah, they do have a few uh, former... Arsenal and former Premier League players on their team. So, you know, that that's probably going to give them a, a little a bit. 10-year-old nostalgic uh, Premier League uh, watching here on Wednesday. Where, hey, there's that guy from five to ten years ago. It's another yeah, guy. It's definitely going to be one of those. Um, I, I also, you know, I, I like to think that former Spurs players give a little bit extra when they're playing against Arsenal, even after they leave Spurs. And so uh, I do wonder the what same. that's going to yeah. look like for some of those uh, former Arsenal folks that are going to be playing against Spurs. So we are now three. Uh, Kim was able to join us, and, and Kim is actually joining us from London, where she just came uh, to watch the Fulham match in Arsenal, the Marseille game. So um, welcome, Kim, to back to the pod. <laughs> yeah, welcome hey back. Guys. Hey guys, it's good to good to be here. Um, yeah, and I know it's super late where you are because obviously uh, the time is, is way ahead of us back here in the States. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a little late, um, but, you know, I'm happy I could actually hop on here for just a little bit. Um, so I thought quickly just go through what it was like to be at that match on Saturday. Obviously, it's my first time attending a Spurs match in person. Um, being in the South Stand, uh when some of those goals went in, even the ones that did not count, like when Richarlison's goal that did not count went in, um, it was must have been going ballistic. Oh my god, it was a dope feeling. Um, and I mean, the whole the whole South Stand that definitely went ballistic when that when that went in. Um, so it really it's like hard to talk about because you're just so wrapped up in the feeling of what it's like to be in the stadium, and then for. Uh, the team to actually play as, in my opinion, as well as they did. Um, like, like it could have been, everyone says it could have been like 4-0, maybe. If five. just that Sun goal and the Richarlison goal, the two that hit the post and the crossbar, if those two had gone in, it would have completely changed everybody's outlook. Everybody wearing rose-colored glasses. Not that they're not I mean, like enough, I said but... earlier, 10 shots on goal is 10 shots on goal. Um, it's just such a departure from what we saw against West Ham. And so it's, it's, it's interesting, but I'm glad obviously that they played a little bit more intriguing football while you were there. Yeah. They just, it just was like, we played more on the front 
foot and um I watched most of the game again um maybe a little earlier tonight and you could see everybody just pushing up like Bentoncourt and Hoiberg just were and and I, I think it was helpful to have guys behind them who were playing the ball forward so like Longley and uh, Romero they were also on the front foot making sure that when they got the ball that they were just recycling possession and moving it forward and so it just felt like the whole team um just had an impetus about them that I just feel like we haven't seen from the start and they just kept it up and obviously um to me the the only downside was um Romero sort of like fell asleep on um Miritich's goal but um I think like other than that it was a pretty solid uh look from the team and I just felt like we we kind of did the stuff that I've been asking them to do for uh what is it four games now just to play with more intensity and I just felt like from this from the get-go and I think part of that is when Richarlison is up top um obviously he wasn't leading the line per se but I just feel like his busyness kind of like rubs off on the rest of the team consistently. And I, I think from, from him, um, you know, we just saw, you just saw someone who wanted to do the right stuff. Like he wanted to make the right pass. He wanted to find himself in, in the right positions. And I, I feel like eventually for him, the goals will start coming. Um, But I just feel like attacking wise, we just looked more cohesive. Like we, wanted to score so now we we look ahead to our first champions league match in three seasons uh which is a big deal we, we were just mentioning earlier before you logged on that the, you know, we don't know too much about marseille they are currently second in league one with five wins and one draw um but it's difficult to say what that even means because it's it's illegal and at the end of the day. Um, I do think, you know, looking at our group, Marseille, we've got Sporting from uh, Portugal, and then we've also got Eintracht Frankfurt from the Bundesliga. Um, it seems like a group that shouldn't be too difficult to advance in, but also not a bunch of pushovers and walkovers. This is not... Um, the level of competition that we were seeing last year in the Europa conference league. So it's going to be a little bit more challenging, um, but I still like our chances to advance. I yeah. I would be shoot disappointed. Myself in the foot I'd be disappointed though. If we don't advance, I will be disappointed because we got oh, one yeah. of the, we got one of the healthier or one of the luckier draws you could get. It's not as fun maybe as playing some of the big teams, but Hey, we should still be able to play them, you know, in the next, in the knockout stages. I will definitely be disappointed if we do not make it through this group stage with the draw that we ended up getting. Yeah. I mean, getting to the knockout rounds, it's going to be, it's going to be murderers row. Uh, Whoever the final 16 is, it's going to be some tough matchups regardless. So I have no problem with us having some more favorable teams in the group stage. Give me whatever easy matchups you can get. And then, you know, that also, I think allows us to, focus a little bit more on the premier league. I mean, if we were playing Real Madrid and, and PSG on Wednesdays, I think that would affect our position in the premier league, which seems to be a competition that, that Conte seems to favor um, at least historically. Anyway, um, I don't know how much you know about Marseille, Kim, but like, what are you expecting out of this match on Wednesday? 
Yeah, I would say like, I don't know a ton about Marseille. I think what I've picked up is that they just, they got a lot of ex, uh, nor, nor ex London players. So is, um, yeah, we yeah. were just mentioning that yeah, they got yeah. like Kalasinich and, and yeah. Nuno Tavares and, and Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez, that's Sanchez, the Dimitri Payet, which I actually saw he might he was injured during their last game, so he might not play. I don't I don't know, but I I guess what I what they they seem to play, um, they seem to like to play football. Um, they've been scoring, but you say you don't really know how much Doc to put in a legal um, sort of team. Uh, so I think it'll be tough enough, but we're at home. So we, I hope that, you know, we play well, the, the stadium spurs them on per se. And um, you know, that, that gets us the win. Yeah. Hopefully that gets us the win uh, right after that. Of course, we have our big matchup with Manchester city. Uh, the only two remaining teams in the premier league that have not suffered a loss uh, both with the same record of four wins and two draws. And it's going to be away at Etihad, a place that we haven't had a ton of success, but a team that we have had a little bit of joy against. I mean, looking at the history of Spurs versus City, uh, last year we did the double against them. We beat them twice. The season before that, we beat them once, lost to them once, and then lost to them again in the uh, EFL Carabao Cup final. The season before that, we beat them once and drew once. And the season before that, uh, we lost to them twice in the – well, we lost to them once in the league, drew to them once in the league, but then uh, beat them in the Champions League knockout round. And that was actually uh, our last successful Champions League run. So a little (laughs) ironic there. But it does feel like we have lost a lot of games to them but have also gotten a lot of results – um, so, yeah, I don't know. How do you, if you're Conte, how do you manage this, right? The first big Champions League game for Spurs in two, three years, and then you also have a big Premier League game right after that from Wednesday to Saturday. Like, how do you manage that? What kind of lineups do you think he's going to throw out there? I think that you... I would throw everything at the champions league just because we can uh, we can play with our more defensive players against city and hopefully maybe snatch a point. Who knows? Uh, I I never would ever count any points against city in hand, if that makes sense. Um, Whatever we could take. And like you said, we've had decent success against them. I will take it, but I think it's, it's more important to get on a good front foot in the champions league, especially with a home game against, um, they're probably is Marseille. Was it Frankfurt, Marseille? Who is the strongest team in our group besides us? I would say it's probably Eintracht Frankfurt. But Frankfurt, um, they won the Europa League, but they finished like 10th or 11th in the Bundesliga last year. They did the same thing that West Ham did, where they, they yeah, made so their concentration. They, they pretty much put all their eggs in the um, Europa League basket. I wouldn't. I would probably say Marseille or Sporting are probably better than Frankfurt. Um, Maybe I'm giving a little bit of big league uh, bias there. (laughs) (laughs) Might be, but my my point is... lost a bunch of players, too. I think that's the other thing. I mean, to be frank, I don't really know anything about any of those teams, but, uh, (laughs) you know, Eintracht Frankfurt seems like a team that you should be fearful of. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe it's the the scary name. 
But yeah, no, and I it's got I, that but, logo with the big eagle on the black background. It just it looks a little daunting. See that in your dreams, huh? Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I have. <laughs> I I still think it would make the most sense. Just like I said, because it's city, I I feel like you don't plan to take points off a of city. It, I mean, you, you try, but uh, I think it's it more likely to get a good a good uh a, you know solid grounding in the champions league versus betting that we're going to somehow take three points at the etihad not that you shouldn't try but again that's where you can throw more of your defenders and actually use like a true back five and just play completely on the counter but put your 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 best midfield and your best ball playing well we're probably not going to do this like we already said earlier i doubt you're going to see long lay in there but put your best midfield at least in the um in the uh, the Marseille game because they're well, going to have a be, lot more. That's going to be Benton Curran, Hoybier for sure, right? Um, Kim, what do you think? Do you agree? We we go we go defensive against City. How would you how would you play it? Yeah, I'd probably go defensive um, and probably play on the counter. That's that's the thing that really hurts City is guys that can get in behind, and so if you have. Um, well, to be fair, just quickly, versus City or Liverpool, I remember having a discussion with somebody. Is there a way that we can't play on the defensive against City? Do we even have the ability to play on the front foot against City? Like to try to take it to them possession-wise? I don't think any team does, to be fair. I just like even Liverpool, like Liverpool is the only team I think that can actually play possession against City, unless City wants the other team to have possession. I feel like but they, yeah, I mean, that goes back to what we were saying earlier anyway, which is that we don't tend to play as well when we are maintaining a large part of the possession. And so I think in a lot of ways right. that has played to our advantage when you think about some of the successful um, for sure. uh, uh, results that we've gotten against city is kind of like, you know, that they're going to dominate possession if you can manage to stop them. And I think one of the things that we've done really well, even in the game that we lost in the Carabao cup, I mean, we were blocking a ton of their shots. We just weren't creating anything on the other end. I think that's one of the things that Conte's brought to the table is like, yeah, you can play a defensive lineup where you're uh, keeping a defensive shape and blocking shots and making sure that goals aren't leaking. But then like when you turn the ball over, there's a little bit of a plan. And I think that was missing under Jose was that when we would turn the ball over, we didn't have a plan. And then it just looked like crap. I think the other thing that we have to think about for the city game is the fact that Unlike last year, now they have Erling Haaland. <laughs> so yeah. what do we do about the Haaland problem? Uh, Ten goals in six matches. This guy's already on his way to score, I don't know, 45. I mean, this is it's ridiculous pace that he's keeping right now. What do we do? Just try it try and stay in front of him i guess like <laughs> I, okay, I, I, I don't know what to tell you joel like you just try like actually just try and hopefully he doesn't score he's not scoring worldies either right like oh, he's just, like, it's not but that's the thing about holland is he just has so many different ways to score like he can score with his head he can get in behind he's tricky with his feet like he's just a very very good striker and sometimes you just you just have to try and he's not going to score a hat trick every game. And so I hope this is one of the ones he doesn't. Um, but though, I mean, our defense is, we're not a bad defensive team and we've seen like Villa hold them to one goal. Um, so that was a great result for Villa. Great Villa result. Can do it, why can't we? 
All right, so uh, wait, we, do we want to do a quick fire, uh, everybody, predictions for the two games? Yeah, let's do it. And let's start with uh, Marseille. Um, I'm going to go Tottenham's at home. Crowd's going to be hopping. Oh, what a night. Champions League Wednesday. Spurs two. Marseille zero. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 just because, uh, I, I don't know. Because Romero's just, starting. <laughs> we'll, we'll leak a goal in there somewhere. And I don't see us quite coming off. Uh, it's hard to, to for right now, to predict any more than two goals until we see our offense click a little bit more. Oh, 100%. Uh, I'm not getting yes. you. That. <laughs> so, at 2-0 is my, my next one. It's, it's a 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. I'm going to go 2-1 somewhere right in the middle. I think it'll be 2-1, yeah. Yeah, and because I'll be there, I'm gonna go three one because I just want to see goals. Um, there we go. Yeah, yeah definitely. You gotta, you gotta be hopeful. I went into this weekend saying, like, before that Fulham game, there was I. I definitely said to myself, like, this could be a tough game, but I was like, we're gonna win. Like, there's no way we're not gonna win. I gotta keep that energy because everything has been going my way. We won. Arsenal lost. We're gonna win again. Boom. All right, and now the moment of truth. I think on some level, <laughs> Spurs fans are probably uh, <laughs> more excited about the City game. And that sounds crazy to say. Um, but uh, Spurs versus City just always seems to be something crazy. Uh, from Fernando Lorente's hip goal uh, to the crazy uh, I mean, the last, offsides at the end of the game. Etihad at 3-2. Like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, the crazy game last yeah. year with Harry Kane's header to win the game. Uh, even thinking about uh, Steven Bergvine's debut goal, that was also against City. Um, so there's just been a lot of crazy history between these two clubs over the past four or five years. And so now's our moment of truth. What do we think for Saturday, 1230 Eastern, which I think is going to be 530 local time, um, Spurs versus City at the Etihad. What are we thinking for that one? I don't love our chances. <laughs> I'm going to go two one in this one also, but I'm going to go two one city. I was thinking the same. I was also going to go two uh, one city. Um, I think, yeah that that is that is a fixture that we don't typically win. We did we did pull it out last year in the most unlikeliest of fashions. Twice, right? It was sort of draw and a win. Right? It was two wins, but I mean actually winning away. <laughs> Most of the times when we beat <laughs> right. City, it's at home. Right, right, um, yeah. So, I mean, just looking back at the history, uh, yeah, every time we've beat them in the past five years has been at home. Um, the last time we beat City at City was in 2016. So, and then we obviously did it last year. So, yeah, I don't love our chances. I think I would love a draw. Um, and both teams walk out still undefeated. That would be fine by me. I'd love for us to keep this undefeated streak as long as it, it can go. I don't have a ton of faith, but I think that's also what makes these Spurs City matches so much fun is that I never really have a ton of faith and then, and then something amazing happens anyway. So I'm, I'm expecting something weird to happen because something weird always happens when we play City. I just don't know what it is. I don't know. The more I'm talking about this, the more I'm talking myself into it. I'm going to say two two draw. That's that's where I was yeah. going. To. I'm going. I'm going two two. Uh, Kane scores again because Kane always scores. I don't know who the second goal is, but I I just feel like I'm going to say two two. Something weird is going to happen. Yeah, I think at some point, um, 
what we can do on the counter will hurt city it like seems to and it always does and that's how we get results again then because they they not to cut you off but like i think them and liverpool are two teams that it doesn't matter what you do they're gonna play their game and if that means us playing a high line and leaving our back line vulnerable we don't care because we think that we're good enough to deal with it and for us for spurs it's been something that we've had more joy countering against with city than we have against Liverpool, but both of them kind of do that same thing. Yeah. And, and like, to me, city's defense is not as great as it was last year. Honestly. Um, I don't rate stones that much and he is now their truly like their second center back. So um, yeah, I think, I think we can get at them with the quality that we have up front. Kane, Sun, Kulisewski, Richarlison. I think we have the kind of attack that can give them problems. So I'm going to go 2-2 as well because obviously they have a world-class striker in Holland and KDB's uh, playing well. So I think they'll they'll have something themselves, obviously. But, um, yeah, they've been, they've been like, letting people score when you look at it. Um, Newcastle got three, Palace got two, and Villa got one. I'm thinking we can get and to Villa it. doesn't score against anybody. So exactly. <laughs> if they so, can score so one, then maybe we can't score two. Truly can see like a two-two. Um, and that's what I'm gonna go with as well. So two-two. Well, there you have it. Those are our predictions. If you have your own predictions for Marseille or for City, uh send them in to us. We'd love to see them. If you have any other comments, uh, you know, we'd love to see them as well. And if you're just loving us, then then leave us a great rating. Other than that, we're gonna just Hope that we get something good. And uh, Kim, we're going to want to see a, a good report from you on the Marseille game for our next uh, podcast. You can give us the full report of what it's like in the stadium. Uh, enjoy your time in London. And come on, you Spurs. Come on. <laughs>